Coming up next, Jake Menzel sings the praises of Johnny Tremaine. Hey everybody, welcome to The Booking. My name is Nathan Robertson, your humble and obedient host. I was very excited about this episode today, and then I realized that sometimes when I'm really excited about an episode, it doesn't go as well as I want it to because my expectations are through the roof for it. Whereas if I'm just generally excited, generally it's pretty good, and I always am excited to talk to my good friend Brandon Chastine, hey. the scholar who's a baller of reading, Yeah, and my good friend Jacob Menzel, the pastor who's a master of reading. Hey. But... I'm keeping my expectations in check for this one. I think it's going to be good. We're going to talk about a book that we intentionally put on the list to mock yeah, and deride. We thought it would be this year's Ready Player One. Or Wrinkle in Time. Wrinkle in or time. Wrinkle in Time. But there was a wrinkle in our plan. I was going to say the same thing. Were you, you going to say the same thing? Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Great minds think alike. Yeah. And that John Neutra remains not that bad. Certainly not worthy of mocking just in order to be a mocker. No. It's pretty good, actually. It's yeah. good. It is good. Which leaves us maybe with less to say about it. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what one says about Johnny Tremaine. That it's but, good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fine. It's good. Whatever. It's, I've got things to say about Jake's got Johnny things Tremaine. to say. Jake was born to talk about Johnny Tremaine. <laughs> Jake's going to carry this episode because I don't have much to say. <laughs> what a... What a... High calling. <laughs> the chosen one. This was the episode Jake. You were born, my for. son, to some, talk about Johnny Tremaine. Some of us are born to speak about the great things of this world. Some of us are born to do great things in this world. And then, and then the third category. <laughs> some of us, some you, however, are born to, to speak. speak the praises of Johnny Tremaine. <laughs> Let's talk about... Johnny T. Let's do it. Our main man. Yeah. From Maine. You know what? One of the things I actually that actually came back to me about why I didn't like this book as a kid, or obviously we're gonna have to talk about our the the baggage that we brought. Because I think we all had negative associations. True or false, we all had negative associations with Johnny Tremaine. Oh yeah. Yes. Like, all this kinds is, of this them. is a stupid book from our childhood. That's how we would have I, thought I, of it. I I read it with Wrinkle in Time like back to back in fifth grade, same teacher, same experience, hated them both. <laughs> Probably loved Wrinkle in Time, liked Wrinkle in Time better than Johnny Tremaine. Boy, was I dumb. Yeah, because Wrinkle in Time, what a bummer that was. Yeah. Yep. Wrinkle in Time can take its tesseract and take a long walk on the sticks. Yeah, it sure can. Johnny Tremaine, on the other hand. It's a good book. It's a pretty good book. It's, it's a fine. good book. It's good. I wonder what our listeners are thinking. I'm contending right now. that it's good. All right, no, I'm yeah. not even giving fine or okay. I'm contending it's good. Well, I'm not going to put it up there with like the Bible, for example. Pretty sure oh. that was that what you were good arguing. Good job, you. Yeah. That's... Would you put it up there with Shakespeare, Jake? <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're getting it. We're backing him into a corner, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, I you caught me. I was coming in prepared to put Esther Forbes in the pantheon alongside Shakespeare, Tolstoy, and Austin. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think that might have been the wrong move there, Jake. <laughs> really? Why? I don't I don't understand. I don't uh -oh. get it. 
to try and put Esther Forbes with Shakespeare? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's the wrong move because you're going to crap up Esther Forbes with all that poetry crap? Yeah, I mean, come on. Who even understands Shakespeare today? Yeah. Nobody does. Yeah, yeah so forget Shakespeare. To read or not to read, not. And who actually understands Tolstoy? Uh, only Russians, probably. That's mm-hmm. true. We only have him in translation. Yeah, at least so... Esther Forbes wrote in English. Yeah, there's a lot that's been lost in translation with him. Esther Forbes? Tolstoy. Oh, Tolstoy, yeah. So, yeah. Nothing's lost in translation so to Esther Forbes. I mean, and Shakespeare basically wrote in another language anyway. So, basically, Esther Forbes, better than you know Shakespeare and Tolstoy. I'm too tired to even fight this readers. today. <laughs> Put so, her up there. Mount Rushmore of the bookening. <laughs> Esther Forbes? She's yeah. all by herself? <laughs> she, she's, she's, she just Forbes? She's just kind of leaning up there, you know, kind of like across a piano, like those ladies <laughs> doing the red satin, satin gowns. She's just leaning across there. What on earth did you just say? And what? Uh, I don't know, Nathan. Wait, who are these ladies in these red satin gowns leaning against pianos? Across life, pianos, Brandon? like in the 20s? Oh, like, you know what one I'm of, like, like a dame. Like a dame. <laughs> yeah. Abroad. What are those yeah. kinds of ladies? <laughs> those okay. kind of ladies. What does yeah. that have to do with Mount Rushmore? What a weird reference. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm saying she can take up the whole mountain, but we'll just have, like, she's leaning, laying across oh, there. She's laying horizontally. You know, yeah. instead of a, several things. Face. Number one, if if a day passes and I don't think about a lady in a red dress on a piano, <laughs> that's a strange day. <laughs> well, that's why I made the reference, Nathan. I think I the knew, statistic would... is that scientists have found that Nathan thinks about that every five minutes. Okay. Secondly, when I think Mount Rushmore, yeah. I then think yeah. lady in a red dress on a piano. You want to th- know my thinking, Nathan? I was trying to think, how could we get it to where she's taking up the whole mountain if she's going to be the only one there? Because okay. it's a long mountain. Mount <laughs> Rushmore. <laughs> She Is can't it? just have a big. We can't make her face all blonde. Okay, so we're gonna so uh, so Esther Forbes is gonna be the lady in the piano. Yeah, that was yeah that was on you Mount get it Rushmore. Now? So there's gonna be a Mount Rushmore of Esther Forbes. You said it. Red and dress you're the one who said it was just gonna be her. <laughs> That's his plan. Not well, so. <laughs> don't get me wrong. If I could carve Esther Forbes <laughs> in a red dress into the side of a giant mountain. <laughs> I would do it <laughs> in a heartbeat. Yeah. But <laughs> who wouldn't? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's like the classic <laughs> American was, story, isn't it? You gave me a plot difficulty, Nathan. Okay. I was trying to do something with it. You said that her face was going to be the only one on Mount Rushmore. Her face. <laughs> but it's a long mountain. You know, there's going to be three empty spots. So we take her face, we put it down on the one spot, and then we take the other faces and we turn that into a, a body. now jake just showed us a picture of esther forbes and the fact is she she looks like a perfectly pleasant woman she she does not she seems like a nice old lady she doesn't seem like vixen in a red dress material though do you think do you think any of our amazing artists could give us their rendition of what this might look like Hey, no. By the way, Don't though, do that. We, we do have no. some artwork we need to talk about real quick. Yeah. Uh, several things, actually. We need to we need to address a couple things here. What, what order do we want to go? Let's, let's talk about the youngest person that made us something first. Uh, so the first thing, it wasn't really made for us. No, it was made oh, for sorry. It was made you. for me personally. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. Thanks Big a lot, deal. Junia. Sorry I don't connect with kids as well because I don't have any and I'm a nerd. Yeah, sorry Ow. that Nathan's a nerd. Junia wrote me a book. Yeah, Junia being the daughter of Jane Katie, who are cold in love, Jane Katie, and also C.S. Lewis, yeah. including yeah. two of we have faces. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I got to go up and uh, and uh, be with some of our friends in Madison, and actually, we even had somebody from uh, Milwaukee area come oh, over nice. and say hi. I don't know, a couple weeks back. Yeah, probably about three weeks now, somewhere in that range. Yeah, everything with this coronavirus stuff has thrown everything out of whack yeah, in terms I, I, of timing and things in my brain. I guess it's worth saying for the listener, this is the first episode we've recorded since things got a little bit more thingish so yeah and by the time this drops who knows where they'll where they'll be yeah exactly but things could be back to normal things could be crazy awful who knows we could be hunkered in a bunker somewhere hunkered in a bunker hunkered in a bunker poet and i'm aware of that fact <clears throat> and you yeah. know it we could all be in the studio Anyhow. together the three of us just living off like you know trying to survive the apocalypse making podcasts yep like matinee yeah. We could be at route Mount Rushmore. Like Mount Rushmore. That's right. Nathan's going to be in a slinky red dress. <laughs> a slinky red dress. Wait, why do I have to be in a slinky red dress? I don't know. Why does anyone have to be in a slinky red dress? I don't okay. know. Okay. okay so, so, Junia. So, while I was there, I got uh, Let to... me just say to the folks, folks, it's going to be one of those kinds of episodes. So, just- I have just... lots of things to say about Johnny Tremaine. Okay. We're... And I was not being sarcastic when I said it's a good book. Okay. No, I'm not either. I like Johnny Tremaine. Anyway. I liked it. I, don't, I just don't have a lot to say about it. Okay. I have all I have all the things to say. I probably oh, have like things to say about <laughs> it. It's gonna be Jake's episode. It guys. was good. It'll be like one of those <laughs> essays by a four year old. I really liked okay. it. Okay, so, anyway, Junia. I, I was up in Madison and yeah, and I got to hang out with a bunch of friends up there. Some that we met uh when we went up to go do our live show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I came back with some artwork. So I've got um and it's actually posted on the wall it, right as you walk into the studio. As you open the door, right there is a picture from our live show mounted on, and I forget what what they're called, but they're, this is like a you know tile art mm-hmm. type thing. Yeah, That's nice. Cool. Yeah, it's very. Did you cool. miss it when you walked? In? I don't think I saw it. <laughs> oh, Brandon, there's a picture of you <laughs> among other things. Oh, <laughs> at eye level as you walk through the door. Well, You're wearing a slinky yeah. red dress. <laughs> I forgot do. that I did wear that. <laughs> so, so that that was a gift from from Jane and Katie who are cold and love cheese. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Junia who. The daughter of cheese. The daughter, Junia, the daughter of cheese. I got to hang out with, 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 uh, with all of them. But, Mm -hmm. um, Junia wrote a book and wrote and illustrated a book for me. Nice. And I, I actually had it in my bag to bring here tonight to read and, and make a video and show our patrons, but I lost my bag, but my wife found it at home. So yeah, it's not lost forever. And I, drama there, but. but there was some drama, and so I don't have it with me tonight. But maybe next time I'll come, and I'll probably, probably our patrons will get a a video of me reading the book and showing the. It, it's a, it's a very well crafted book. By the way, yeah. patrons' videos may be a little thin for the next couple of weeks. You do the math on why One. that may or may not be. Also, I'd like to say, Junia, if you were to ever write me a book, I would not lose it. Right, the book is not lost. Junior, if you write me a book, I'll review it on the booking with my usual charity and graciousness towards every book that we review. Yeah. I think we should review this book. I'm looking forward to it. Brandon will be like, subpar. Anyhow, it's a, you know, I think Junior- That was a joke, Junior, if you're listening. I think we're going to love it. it. I've seen it. It's really cool. I'm excited to read this. Nathan's had a chance to see it already and read it. But this is the first time I've seen Brandon since then. And so, anyhow- it's not long, but it is well illustrated and it is very punny. Did you clever. Say punny? 
Mm-hmm. Yep, very punny. Ginny, a, a well-known master of the form. Nice. Yeah, I love a good pun. Yeah, she, I think she's a. She, I think she's in se- second grade. Nice. Maybe first grade. I could get, I could be wrong about that, but I think she's in second grade, and I think that you will be impressed. I am looking forward to reading it. We will definitely have to have an episode where we review this. Yeah, we will. I was certainly impressed. Yeah. Well, that's thing number one. Now, yeah. we've also got two works of art, fan art. We do. Technically, even more works of fan art. Yeah, that's true. Two, two groupings of yeah. fan art. So we have two fantastic submissions to the beaver and spider in outer space. Uh, you remember the moment where Brandon said something about a beaver and a spider yeah. in outer space? Because- Thought about my wonderful science teacher who allowed me to write stories instead of essays because she was a great teacher. And I said, hey, somebody should draw that. And, you know, I was expecting maybe some some pencil sketches or... No, you know, that's not what we got. A charcoal at best. Yeah. But we got like full-on works of art. Like our fans are some talented people. We have some very talented artists out there. Artists that are worthy of illustrating a children's book, I dare say. Mm-hmm. It was a great moment. It's one Designing of those t-shirts. Yeah. I think we might need to we might need to reach out to some of these fans to design our next t-shirt. Yeah. Absolutely. It's really cool when you're doing something like this to have that interaction with your fans to make make you realize, wow, there are people out there who are listening and care. It's great. Yeah, it makes us feel super loved. Yeah. yeah. So we have so one of these came in as a a piece of graphic art and it is beautiful and fun and yeah. It yeah. looks like it's taken out of a top-notch children's book. Yep. Once again, it's a picture of a beaver and spider in outer space. Yeah, and we'll we'll post these. Uh, these have to be posted on social, not just for patrons, right? I think so. So, yeah. Should, follow, we, follow should we wait on. till... Um, there's going to be a poem that goes with them. Yeah, that's yeah, right. We'll publish them with the poem. And then we got somebody paint, uh, actually sent us a painting in the mail. Mm-hmm. So, so that first submission was by Emily, and I think Emily needs a special shout out in this episode, maybe even a name. Yep. And the second one is from the Matt Man. Matty, 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 Matt Man. Matt Man. That the very same. Matty, 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 Matt Man. The very same. That Matt Man. That Matt Man. Matt Man. And he he made us a painting wall art that we can hang of. Again, a spider and a beaver in outer space. And he also sent us this really cool, like, Russian doll yeah. painting yeah. of uh, me and Nathan and Brandon. We're all and nesting inside of Jake. <laughs> I, I am the largest. Yeah. Well, I'm the tallest. Yeah, which I is- I wouldn't say that I was the largest. Which is realistic. I think everything's realistic. Got Brandon's giant Russian beard. Yeah. (laughs) I think. Yeah, very much so. (laughs) I mean, I famously grow huge beards. It's pretty realistic. Yeah. We like to wear those poofy Russian hats, whatever those things are called. We do look very... This is is some of the coolest fan art that we've gotten. Yeah, no. That's pretty awesome. I would like to... And so we get letters and cards and things from time to time, but to have fan art and to then be able to take... I'm looking forward to just hanging this stuff up around, you know. Yeah. No, this is really fun. Yeah, we'd we'd cool. love to get stuff like this. People keep so sending us things. If yeah. you are talented in the visual arts, I mean, these people are getting poems. So, what I like about it's really cool that creative people are listening and then sending us, getting inspired to send us 
things they've created for us. Yeah. It's awesome. It is really, it's, it really made our day. And especially yeah. thoughtful things Multiple like that, times. like uh, in response to the spider and the beaver story or this one with the Russian dolls, mm-hmm. you know, obviously with the Tolstoy and stuff references, it's pretty cool. And the yeah. text above it is really awesome. The bookendings. Oh yeah. The way that kind of looks really is yeah. painted on. Yeah. But we'll put this on our social if anybody's yeah. listening to this. And then some really sweet notes along with uh, with all of these pieces of art too. So yeah. Anyhow, thank you guys so much. A yep. unique challenge. Super I have to cool. somehow work the line, frailty thy name is Brandon into the poem. Yeah. Well, if you don't, then you know what we'll uh, say. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Maddie asked for frailty thy name is Brandon. Yeah, I've already got it figured out. <laughs> no worries, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Does that bring us to Johnny T? I think I think it must. Leaves us like five minutes of Johnny T. Hey, folks, we cannot emphasize how grateful though we were for those things and how much they made our day when we got them and made our week and made our collective like existences. Like it was really nice. Well, look, it was a scary week. The week we got both of these pieces of art. It was. I'm not talking like on a macro coronavirus is going to kill us all kind of scary i'm talking just in a very felt hey warhorn is taking some big hits financially because other people are taking hits financially and i don't know that we're going to get paid and i mean me and jake were literally thinking about things like what it would be like not to have a job but then all our listeners came through very quickly and then we got this artwork and it was just like yeah okay we're doing something here that's important mm-hmm. that's helpful especially to people in a time like this and the people are are here for us and yeah that was comforting and reassuring and uh and touching well and sometimes you know it's always tempting when you're talking into a microphone it's not like we do this in front of an audience sometimes you just you feel falsely like you're sending the stuff out into nowhere the void into the black void of space and so sometimes you get a missive back back from the void (laughs) yeah sometimes the void stares back and it's always really gratifying yeah i mean you can look at stats and things like that but that just it doesn't matter what the numbers say it doesn't hit home until you're interacting with real people right yeah and so anyhow thank you guys for being i know that you feel like we're your friends and you know you don't get to be our friend but you're our friends and yeah we appreciate it honestly very much so well, we love you all. Yep. Except for one of you. Except for one. Just one of you. We're not telling you who. Yeah. And also, that's not to dispel any rumors that Nathan does after each episode, takes it and puts it in a rocket and launches it out into space. Oh, just yeah. Just to make sure that it's out there. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are hundreds of Warhorn podcasts, thousands just floating around the earth. And orbiting. I have a giant rocket budget, which is one of the reasons we were worried about. Yeah. Probably not the wisest finances. use of finances. Money. Yeah. But you know, yeah. at least those episodes are out there. Cut, I mean, we, yeah. You think we need to cut back on ro- rockets that break the atmosphere and get our podcasts into space? Yeah, I'm not sure that we're going to see much return from that. I don't know that it's doing anybody good. Maybe any the space station there. people might. Maybe get there's it. a beaver or a spider or somebody out there listening, but Ooh. you know. This one's for you, beaver and spider. That'd be fun to get a picture of a beaver and a spider listening to, <laughs> to the booking <laughs> out in outer space. That would be fun. Now, Brandon, let's not abuse our power <laughs> just because we know people Ooh. will make art. What are these rockets is actually labeled World War? Yeah, it's really cool. I wonder if this would be a good uh, a way, a way to get like a children's book illustrated. <laughs> Just start <laughs> saying ideas. So there's this idea. 
<laughs> if one of you wants to make a woman in a red dress that is has replaced Mount Rushmore, then don't. Not a good idea. No, but especially Esther Forbes. Uh, yeah, Esther's, after Esther Forbes specifically. Now, yeah, the business at hand. Yeah, Esther Forbes. Esther Forbes and Johnny T. Yeah. Brandon? Yeah. You are the contextual Texan. Sometimes I am. Which means that you offer much needed context on these works that we discuss. I do sometimes. And I assume you're going to do that today. You keep I've got, qualifying it with this sometimes business. Yeah, I just wanted to make you worried about it. <laughs> oh, no. Did I succeed? <laughs> I mean, there's not a whole lot to say. Um, we quickly talk about who Esther Forbes was. How do you begin to even capture a life like Esther Forbes? How do well, you sum it up? According to people? Wikipedia, you can do it in about six lines. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's rich. <laughs> so she, but I found, so this was when I got to go and do some digging around and mm-hmm. finding some things. And so this was, it was fun, whatever. And so she was born in 1891, which makes her a contemporary of uh, C.S. Lewis and J.R. Tolkien. Tolkien, Lewis, and Forbes, the big three? Yeah, the big three. If only she had made it over to Oxford with all of those guys. But she was uh, from Massachusetts. Her parents were both historians. Her mother was um, into like antique restorations and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Ancient, and not ancient history, but just like uh, historical artifacts. That's what I was trying to, That's the word I was looking for, mm-hmm. but especially with Americana and stuff like that. And so she had this interest in history in the stuff of history from a very young age. At the age of 13, she actually began to write her first novel. I'm I'm not sure she ever finished it, but she didn't start writing her first novel. It was a historical novel. And so this interest in history was with her since childhood, and it came through her parents. Really, there's not a a whole lot to say about her beyond that. This love of history stayed with her throughout her life, but there are a few fun things. Um, She Liked horseback riding, and then in war, so she, World War One started. You know, she was born in 1891, so she lived through World War One, mm-hmm. and uh, she went to the University of Wisconsin. She responded by going to uh, Harpers Ferry, Virginia, where she helped on a farm that was making produce for soldiers and stuff like nice. that. And one of the proudest moments. This is a quote from her. One of the proudest moments of my life was when the farmer appointed me as a teamster, which meant that she was over the horses. And so her love of horses stayed with her. I like this fact because my wife liked horses or likes horses. She's not. There you go. She's not dead. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe she stopped liking horses. No, she still likes horses. Option. (laughs) She still likes horses. (laughs) Quickly after this, she got a job uh, at the editorial staff at Houghton Mifflin, which I think is actually still around. Hmm. Well, it's a textbook Mm. company. That's right. Yeah. It's like every textbook that I ever had growing up was Houghton. Is Houghton H O U? H-O-U-G-H-T-O-N-Mifflin. Sure. Yeah, I knew I had seen that before. And so while she was there, she gained valuable writing and publishing experience. And then um, she published her first novel in 1926 called O Gentile Lady. O Gentile Lady. O Gentile. Ooh. O Gentile. O Gentile Lady. (laughs) Red Dress Lady. (laughs) And later that year, she also married um, and then about... A few years later, divorced hmm. Mr. Albert Leonard Hoskins Jr., and she would live the remainder of her life with her uh, sister and brother in Worcester, I guess is how you say it. W O R C E S T E R. Like the sauce. Worcester, yeah. But it's uh, soon after that, and she, so after a gentle lady, she got her real fame from a book that she published on Paul Revere. 
And um, this was in 1942. We called Paul Revere in the world he lived in, and it won the Pulitzer Prize. Oh, wow. Not fiction then. No, it was not fiction. And so, in fact, this one source I have says that she kept strictly to the facts in the biography, in this biography. And then she allowed herself to make up nothing. And there's a quote from her as a sort of reward. I promised myself that sometime I would write a story and make up anything I wanted as long as I kept it typical for the period. So it's pretty clear where that's headed. Mm. Um, she studied Paul Revere. She studied all the time period surrounding him, got her this fame as, in fact, she was awarded a doctorate, uh, a um, honorary doctorate by a, a college because of her work on the Paul Revere studies. And so she would publish a few more, like uh, her last, she published America's Paul Revere and became kind of a Paul Revere scholar and an American Revolutionary War scholar. But the reward that she gave to herself there was writing Johnny Tremaine. There you go. So there you have it. It came out of this deep study she did on Paul Revere so that she could write this book that won her the Pulitzer Prize. And she wrote a children's book from these facts that won her the Newbery Award. There you go. So quite wow. the decorated woman. Mm -hmm. And if, uh, so just a quick, uh, really the only other thing I wanted to talk about was just to remind people what the Newbery was. It's the, it's the most prestigious award given for children's literature. It's, I didn't realize this until this time doing this research. It's given by the ALA, the American Library Association. So it's actually, it, it's not just like some random group of people like the Swedish Institute giving out the Nobel Prize, mm -hmm. even though they, you know, who are they? They're just a bunch of Swedes that get together and decide to give out this prize. This is actually the American Library Association of American Librarians. And so it's got some heft to it. It's got some actual people who know something about books that give out this award. They wanted to establish the award because they wanted to both award beautiful, well-written children's books and also show people that children's literature deserved to be seen as serious literature. Sure. And so this was in the 20s. Right after they did this, they also started the Caldecott Medal. And so there's a Newberry Caldecott. They go hand in hand. Those are both ALA though. Yeah. And so Caldecott is um, for picture books. It's mm, for illustrations. Okay. And so you have Newberry that awards the children's literature and then the Caldecott, which is awarded to illustrators and, illust and picture books. So uh, she won the Newberry Award. And yeah, one thing I saw, one of the crit criticisms of the Newberry Award is that it usually goes to books that are too difficult for children, mm -hmm. which I think is probably going to lead into stuff that we have to say about this book. Yeah, that's... And so actually, I think that might be a fine transition out of the quick and dirty context there mm -hmm. for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anything else you guys wanted me to add? No, I don't All think right. so. I Good. think this is an important one to do baggage for. What baggage do you guys bring? To Johnny Tremaine, a very important question, I think. Jake, would you like to start us out? I read Johnny Tremaine in fifth grade. Fifth grade was, it was just a hard year in general for, I think for a lot of reasons. One, my dad had remarried a year and a half before we were settled, still settling into a new normal. I was just having some real emotional problems dealing with things with uh, my parents divorced. And I had this teacher who was well known to be the toughest teacher in the school. And she just had a reputation and well-deserved. Her name was Libby Culliver. We were in, um, it was called the Horizons program. So it was a pullout 
program for gifted and talented is what it used to be called, but they renamed it because they didn't want other people to feel bad. And she was the Horizons teacher for fifth grade. And we read A Wrinkle of Time and we read Johnny Tremaine and she was very challenging. She had very high expectations of us. She did not let us out of anything. And so it was just hard. It was hard work. And I was a lazy student. And so I hated her, honestly. I, Or I thought I hated her, but I knew, I don't know. Um, because she had high expectations for me and she believed in me and made me feel like she had high expectations for me personally and believed in me personally and wasn't going to let me make excuses for myself because of anything I was dealing with. Um, and so it was just a hard, hard year. And Johnny Tremaine really symbolizes for me everything that it was painful and difficult about that year. And so I hate, I hated that book and everything it represented. And, and I, I don't know, I, I'm making it sound maybe like, when I say it was hard, I, I was one of the best students in the class, but it didn't matter. Like there was just, she did, wasn't going to let up on, I wasn't going to be able to coast through anything. It was just like, you're, unless you're giving me your best, it's not good enough. <laughs> A is not good enough. She was just that kind of person. Mm -hmm. And so it was just like, there was no escape as longtime listeners of the show will know. She's now one of the most dear teachers that I've ever had because of all of those things. And uh, it's hard for me to to talk about this stuff, I think, without getting emotional. She's just what I needed at the time. And listeners may also remember that a couple of years ago, my grandfather died and she came to his funeral and we had a long conversation and it was really sweet. And She's a Christian and this is in the public schools. So Johnny Tremaine has a lot of baggage for me, I guess is what I want to say. And I hated the book and I thoroughly thought I was going to hate it again. There's enough baggage that even as a adult in his 30s you weren't disassociating yourself enough from it to not just assume oh that was the worst book ever no i just assumed it legit was the worst book ever yeah i didn't was not anticipating any reversal of feeling or even softening of feeling on it it's like well you know she was great whatever but man she had us read a dumb book that was dumb that i actually do have maybe some things to say about that that will come to later because that's not an experience that, that's an experience that seems to be pretty universal. Yes. Right. And so I have thoughts on why Johnny Tremaine is so universally hated by school children. I love it. We're threatening these things and we're going to come back. Yeah. But right now we have the cliffhanger of, will Jake like Johnny Tremaine? We'll find out. Well, actually, he already told he us. Already but, said he didn't, but Brandon, come on. I'm trying to build some drama for yeah, the. Yeah, you're not doing a very good job. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, fine. Hey, just keeping it real, Nathan. Just what? keeping it real. Just, just, just give your baggage, Brennan. Fine. One star for, for my baggage. For who? Because my baggage is not going to be all that great. I vaguely remember possibly having at one point in my life having had Johnny Tremaine read to me by my mother, but I don't quite know if that's true. You vaguely remember possibly at one point in your life having, having Johnny Tremaine read to you by your mother, mother, but you're not sure. <laughs> but I'm not quite sure. <laughs> Yeah, and for some reason, this book always had a bad association in my mind with just like these Newberry books, you know, like the uh, the Bronze Bow mm -hmm. or those books that yep. oh, you're, just I like, do. you're just like, why did I ever have to read that? Or The Trumpeter of Krakow. Mm -hmm. like, <laughs> Call it courage. Yeah, you're like, okay, I understand why these Newberry Award winners get a bad sort of school library mm -hmm. cast to them. And so that's what I was expecting Johnny Tremaine to be this time. And was pleasantly surprised. It wasn't. 
So there we have it. What will Brandon think of Johnny Tremaine? <laughs> we'll find out after Nathan's baggage. Uh, I don't really remember. I don't have like, this isn't a deep Freudian uh, touchstone for me, like with Jake, or I don't have vague Freudian feelings like Brandon has about it. Yeah. Mother issues and things like <laughs> <Yeah>. this. <laughs> yeah. I just remember not liking Johnny Tremaine. And I, to this day, I will admit that this is unfair. There are plenty of good Newberry books, but when I see that Newberry medal, I think like exactly what Brandon said. I think musty. I think boring. I think school yeah. library. Yep. I think the kind of book that authority figures make you read. I think carrots. It's medicine. Yeah, it's medicine. Yeah, it's, it's nutrition. Vegetables. It's nutrition. It's vegetables. And it's not fun. You know, like all the fun things were like the fantasy books and the action books and party boys and box. Like all that stuff was cool. Newberry was the boring stuff. And yeah. I, I have a bad taste in my mouth about Call It Courage about bronze bow they may all be fine but i just remember them hitting at this certain point in my life where it's like i really wanted to read cool fun exciting escapist literature of some type and these things just felt like i was learning or something and so johnny tremaine is squarely in that camp i guess the only other baggage i bring to it is i don't like revolutionary war stories i find that period off-putting for whatever reason i'm not really a revolutionary war buff i I don't know. It's just... It's, Are you not a patriot, Nathan? Well, Brandon, no one loves America more than I do. True. But I like just taking it for granted. I don't like have to have to think too much about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I like learning about the Civil War. I like war, learning. I like learning about like all the boring stuff that's on the History Channel. I like wor- World War II. I like Civil War. I like stuff like that. The Revolutionary War, for whatever reason... Just doesn't do it for you. Just doesn't do it for me as an era that I want to like spend time in. You know, I don't like... Y- want to watch revolutionary war movies i mean as, as as brilliant of a cinematic masterpiece as mel gibson's the patriot is i don't find myself returning to it all that often really um <laughs> i watch it at least once a week <laughs> you watch it at least once a week yeah <laughs> well i think most people should yeah at least that scene where he, he puts an axe in that guy's head <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> as you know all the great all our founding fathers were doing things like that so yeah i don't know it's just not one of those eras that's ever really interested in me it's like after all the cool ancient stuff, but before all the cool new stuff, like it's after like medieval stuff with swords and knights and stuff and the Renaissance, it's like, but it's before like modern machinery and modern warfare. And so just as kind of a history buff, that era, that time period has never really done it for me. Yeah. And when I imagine it, I imagine like this gross grody world that smelled bad and there's just no romance to that, to that era for me. I don't. I don't seek it out. So that's kind of my, sorry if that's like a bizarro take on Johnny Tremaine, but I don't know. Like I watch a Revolutionary War movie and I'm just like, ugh, I don't want to watch this. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure there's some deep-seated Freudian thing we could get in there for me. I don't know what it is. Forefather issues. Forefather issues. <laughs> Very nice, Brandon. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I award you 2,000 points for that. When you think about it that way, uh, this book should have been all the more up my alley. I I was all about, I mean. Founding fathers and. Yeah, Revolutionary War, even just, he references, or she references John Locke's essay concerning human understanding mm-hmm. and a number of things like that. Like that was the kind of thing that I was like in middle school, a couple years later, I was like, I'm going to find that and read it. Mm. Wow. Like an idiot. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
but I but, but I did I did like all all that stuff like just the political philosophy of mm. of the war and everything around it was something that I really felt either drawn to or obligated to be drawn to mm. in a you know I had a history channel dad and a revolutionary and civil war buff dad and just felt like I was a good American I played baseball I knew all the history of the right i yeah i came up to iu with enough credits for a u.s history minor from high school wow and so i have a u.s history minor i didn't take a single u.s history class at iu but there you go that's how patriotic jake is that's right (laughs) man Um, he sweats u.s history minors (laughs) one of the fun things about reading this this time was just boston i've been to boston two or three times and walked the freedom trail Mm mm-hmm twice and wow. the every every summer we would take some kind of some kind of uh vacation so i had family that lived out on the east coast and we'd go and we'd use their home as a base camp and then we'd go to dc or we'd go to new york we'd go to philadelphia we'd go to boston we'd go to gettysburg we'd go we'd do something like somewhere that. historic somewhere mm-hmm. historic we'd you know we'd see the major tourist stuff but it was always really built around actually the either a revolutionary war or a civil war or something mm. or other. Wow. And so I've never been to Boston. Yeah. Well, never been it's to cool. Boston. It's it cool. I, yeah. I've been to the old North church and all that jazz. I've seen Paul Revere's house. And wow. Man, all the, pla- all the places in here, like uh, I'm familiar enough to, to be able to, you know, rem- and I, and I did by get to go recently. Mm-hmm. I was invited out there to, yeah, to speak at a, at a church. Did you ever buy uh, boxes of Earl Grey and throw them into the harbor? Mm-hmm. No, I didn't. Uh-huh. Saw a game at Fenway, Jake, I thought you though, loved our country. just as patriotic. You saw opinion. what? Saw a game at Fenway. It was Yankees-Red Sox, actually, at Fenway. Go Yankees. Yeah. Yeah, I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. I just remembered why I hate American history. I want to give an accounting for this. The reason I hate American history is because I went to, I was homeschooled, and then I went to a Christian school. The Christian school was just kind of finding its feet, which meant there was teacher turnover, and there was curriculum turnover. And I got caught in the, whatever the opposite of the sweet spot is. I got caught in the place where all that, those things conspired to make it. So I took stupid American history like three or four times. And so, and and the teachers were bad and didn't get through the material. One of them got fired for not actually getting us to the 20th century like she was supposed to. Wow. And so I was learning about the stupid Revolutionary War and the Pilgrims and like all this old American history and politics and John Locke, all that stuff over and over and over again. And it developed into a hatred for American history and a love for world history. Like anything I could get on ancient Greece, ancient Rome, anything, you know, the Tudors, the anything in Europe, I would be really excited about. But Not American history, though. I was just so tired and resentful of it. Huh. And it's, it's bled into a lifelong hatred of America. My high school uh, history teacher was a guy named William Bartell. And he's like one of... He was, he's adjunct faculty at uh, the universities down there. He was a uh, history department chair at our high school. And he's like Evansville's preeminent, like he's the historian of Evansville. And he's this guy that like shows up to high school, to your high school class wearing a Brooks Brothers suit every day and is brilliant, but interesting and really cares and has this like deep, bassy, resonant voice, but 
it really teaches sort of Socratically. Like yeah, if I'd had that guy, I would love he American was awesome. history. He was yeah. awesome. I had that guy for other things like literature. You know, I mean, I had some good teachers, but not in history and specifically not in American history. And teachers, if you're listening, you can make a big difference in whether yeah. somebody likes something or hates something. That they can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've said that many times. We have said that many times. Well, I think that brings us to it, right, boys? It does. All right. Well, let's talk about my my high school hi- history teacher uh, has a Wikipedia page. He's considered the greatest living scholar on Abraham Lincoln's youth in Indiana. Oh, well, there you go. There you have it, man. You can do anything. You can you can build a any career on any part of Lincoln, can't you? Yep. You bet, or you used to. That guy can sell books. Abraham Lincoln. All right, Johnny Tremaine. Jake, you just want to lead with your theories? Just should we put people out of our, their misery? Or do, do you want me to generate some organic conversation here, or what? I, uh, I can lead out with my... I think you might as well. But, I mean, basically, all I have to say about Johnny Tremaine is it was good. It was well-written. It was not the dumb thing that I remembered. It was a little maybe nutritional. Like, you know, if I was going to bend the book to my will, I'd put a big battle in the end or something like that, just just to make it more exciting and less. Yeah. Well, it felt like the kind of exciting that was actually really exciting to Esther Forbes. Yes. Like, what if you were alive during that time and you just thought you were in the room with those guys? Yeah, that would be really cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. That would be so awesome to be in the room with all these people who are doing all these things. And I'm geeking out about how many like actual details i can slip into this thing like how cool is you know and that stuff was fun and all the details about just how rowdy and rough and vulgar of a time it actually was were to this day as an adult who's aware of history and all that sort of thing interesting and revealing and the de-romanticizing that she does is good yeah so i really really i really enjoyed this book i had fun with it i liked it and i think that my theory on why it's so universally hated is pretty simple. It is just way too much mm-hmm. for a fifth grader. I think that's right. It's too complex. It's too compl- it's too morally complex and ambiguous. How old is an average, your, your average fifth grader? 10, 11. 10, okay, yeah. Yeah, so you're talking about 10 and 11-year-olds here. And you have this romance that's developing. Mm-hmm. So, so you have this romance that's developing over the course of the book, and then you have all of these sort of moral complexities and grays where... You've got a cocky, unlikable lead who takes a while to warm up and become he's actually got, he's a He's got to be guy. humbled. He's got to have his own sort of transformation. And then you've got all of this stuff going on in this city where actually a lot of the, a lot of the Yankees and Rebels are kind of nasty mm-hmm. and do some nasty things. And some of the British are good. And the British are actually good in a lot of places, in a lot of ways, not all the time, but they're often quite generous and free and all of that is a whole lot of, and honestly, the vocabulary and- Yeah, I mean, this book took me longer to read than I was expecting to be able to breeze through this thing in an afternoon. It's a slim volume and a children's book. And it's like, no, you actually have to pay attention to this one, Nathan. You have to think about it. You have to roll it around in your mind a little bit. There are a lot of um, not just conceptual things and conceptual words that she uses, but just really unconventional words or old-timey words that really do give a sense of the atmosphere of the time, maybe. 
But man, if you're 10 or 11 years old, yikes, that's a lot to wade through. It's just like stumbling block after stumbling block after stumbling block just in the in the vocabulary that's expected of you in the course of this book. Or just some of the ideas, like you don't understand what wharf what, what it's like at, on a wharf. She mm-hmm. doesn't explain. Mm-hmm. She just uses these terms about shipping and docks and uh, being a silversmith and all this stuff. She just, she doesn't stop to explain what a crucible is. What's the difference between silver and pewter? What's, you know, some some, some of these things you just like, it requires so much work on your end just to like piece together from context clues working through as somebody who just doesn't have that much experience of the world or that much experience of uh, literature or that much background knowledge of the of the the time period mm-hmm. like there's just a lot that either you bring to it or you have to really work to understand so it's got that working against it then it has just the moral complexities of both the character and the main character and and the world that they're in that is hard we're at about the age of 10 or 11 what really works and connects is are things that I think are much more black and white, much more good and evil, much more light and dark, much more clear and less morally ambiguous. It's mm-hmm. a lot of tension. Plus, then again, as I said before, you add the this like these romantic tensions that are going to be miles beyond a ten or eleven year old, and you've got a recipe for just like some real frustration. Mm-hmm. In, in the course of reading this book for a lot of kids, where it's just like, forget this. Well, and I think as a kid, you're not necessarily going to be like, oh, this is complex. Now I get it. You're going to be like, I actually don't have a grid to know how complex this is. So I'm going to keep expecting it to do the things that I'm used to. So it's like, when's the big battle? When's the bad guy? When's the thing? Yeah. And then yeah. you get to the end and you run out of pages and you're just like, where's the Horcrux? Where's the Horcrux? He didn't destroy a single Horcrux. Yeah. What's yeah. wrong with this book? And so then you've got then this tension. That is, these are all the reasons why a teacher who wants to push her students is like, this is why we're doing Johnny, Johnny T. Yeah. Because I know that you need to be challenged by books that are beyond you and above you and are pushing you to think outside of your black and white terms, right? And so a lot of teachers use this book, I assume, I expect, and I don't even really remember this in my own experience. I just remember, I don't like that book. That's Mm -hmm. about all I remember. Yeah. But I expect that a lot of Mrs. Culliver, whoever's reasoning was like, hey, this is the book where we're gonna turn a corner and open up these kids' minds to this new way of thinking that the world's not so black and white. Even the Revolutionary War is not so black and white. Everything that you think about, you know, us good guys, them bad guys, like it was more complicated than that. And the people involved, there were bad guys on the good side and there were good guys on the bad, on the other side. And, and everything was like, all of that was like, you know, that's what we're doing here. And it's got all these, you know, challenging things and it's, we're just going to push kids and it's, yeah, sure. It's above them, but man, when they come out on the other side, they're going to be equipped to read you know, to move forward and to read greater things. And that- Not if they hate reading. Yeah, that may be true, except for (laughs) if they come out of it hating reading or feeling like, oh, so the world of books that's being open to me is a world of stuffy- Nutrition. Nutritional- Vegetables. Things that I can't understand. And that's supposed to be like, Mm -hmm. then, then you've 
you've created a worse problem and you've not really succeeded. Mm-hmm. This is where when we talk about Tolkien, I think Tolkien is really, really great at, for any age of kid because Tolkien's always above any kid. Mm-hmm. Tolkien's above Tolkien's above us, mm-hmm. right? But he's always got something mm-hmm. that keeps the you know anybody interested and engaged and pressing on. And so you can read Tolkien to your kids, and they are going to grow. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they're going to grow in there as a reader and they're going to love it at the same time. And so, man, I really think Johnny Tremaine is a great book. It, I, I enjoy it. I think it's fun. And I especially enjoyed reading it and finishing it um, while we're in the middle of this pandemic stuff because you're talking about a remaking of the world here mm-hmm. that everybody knew. Nothing was going to stay the same once that first shot was fired. Once the tea was dumped in the harbor, all of these little milestones that like you see their world is changing. There will be no, there's a new normal coming and we have no idea what it is. First Johnny's hand is something of a, a, a precursor to that, a foreshadowing of that. Johnny's hand gets burned and he has to figure out his new normal. He, then he gets sucked into this thing and then Boston's going to get scarred and you know, there's going to be, who knows, everything's up in the air. Nobody knows how things are going to go. And maybe they'll feel like they w- they always were and maybe they won't, but everything is sort of like, and everybody's got to be flexible and, you know, we'll go to war. Some of us will die. Some of us won't. But anyhow, I just thought that that was, uh, it was nice to get sucked in to other people's problems for a while and to see in a weird way in a, in a kid's book, hey, lots of people have lived through Reach across the centuries. And yeah, lots of people have yeah. lived through lots of stuff. And people have been here but, before. They'll be here again. Yeah. Anyhow, I think that this book would have been good for me to read, and I would have loved it if I had been given it just like, give it another two years. Let me hit 12 or 13. Let me start to understand a little bit of the romance at the heart of this. Let me start to hit up on my own against the moral complexities of life. And then this book yeah. would have been in the sweet spot. This is a coming of age story for Johnny Tremaine. And I wasn't ready for a coming of age story at 10 or 11, mm-hmm. 12, 13, 14. And this book story. is, you know, fits the bill. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe it still feels like, well, but couldn't you put in a awesome battle? And that's how I still feel. <laughs> I, I liked it. It was fine. It was good. I, I wasn't, you still wanted that awesome battle. I wanted something. I don't know. There's something about the book to me. This isn't really a criticism, just just a description of how I kind of processed it. It is like anti-wish fulfillment or something. Like, here's a great guy who's really good at things. And that's going to be completely spoiled through some senseless thing. And then he's going to get to hang out with people, but his life's always going to suck and things are going to... It just felt like a little bit of a downer to me. I don't know. Like, I know on some cosmic scale, Johnny Tremaine you know, joins the fight for a life liberty and does kill his friend, the pursuit of justice. But yeah, his friend dies, his girl, he hasn't sealed the deal. Yeah. His livelihood is ruined and like, and he's going to get his hand back. He's going to get his hand back so that he can pull a trigger, shoot some red coats. We don't, we don't know if he'll ever actually be good enough. If he'll ever have enough of his hand back to be an ace silversmith. Yeah. Again, we can imagine what we, it is just very open-ended. Johnny could marry Scylla and could uh, take over Paul Revere's practice and 
become the best silversmith in Boston or he could die in the war mm. or anything could happen. All sorts of possibilities. I guess for me, um, and I'm not arguing with Jake's point of view, I'm just sort of expressing mine. Um, <laughs> there you go. It's a podcast, Which folks. Which is different. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, it falls in this weird nether world where it didn't work for me as a kid. But as an adult, it's like, okay, if I want to be depressed and learn about history, I can probably find a, you know, a 500 page actual adult book that will really challenge me. Like this doesn't have enough of what's fun about literature for me as a kid. It also doesn't have enough of quite what's nutritious about literature for me as an adult. So I I agree with Jake that if it had hit me at the exact right age, I would have loved it. I feel like now I'm kind of over it, which is where me and Jake disagree, I guess. But it was good. I mean, I, I could, if I was Jake, I would feel the way Jake f- feels. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I'm me, so I feel the way I feel. Wow. But um, Profound. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't begrudge or disagree yeah. with anyone who loves it or likes it or thinks it's great. Well, it just, and, and I enjoyed it. I had, you know, like, it was good. I think the other thing maybe to say, maybe context is I was ready for some light reading mm-hmm. coming out of, Tolstoy and Austin back to back. Right. Um, maybe so, you weren't. Maybe you didn't need Nathan, a breather. Yeah. Nathan just always wants the the dense yeah. good stuff. You got a mind as fast and as facile as mine. You got to keep it challenged. You know. And I think the other thing is, in context, compared to all the other children's literature that we've read, I will agree with that. I mean, sort of B. White, who's a we've genius. read a lot of trash children's literature or, or children's literature that just doesn't live up to anything worth mm-hmm. and this is not that no this is a good book this is a quality book i think where i would disagree with you is you said great and did i i love the record show okay you may have said great i don't remember well what whether you would stand by that or not i don't think i'd give it quite the ringing well i did say great because i or at least implied it when i put esther forbes up there with shakespeare and told that's me. true <laughs> yeah could i don't think be- i could quite do that jake could just be the Kaga hat you're wearing. Um, yeah, the Kaga hat. Um, I think it's just Kag. But Jake Kag. finally had to replace his Kag MAGA hat. Great. He actually yeah. just crossed out the M and wrote a K. Yeah. Um, Brandon, what do you think? What do I think? Yeah, weigh in, man. Brandon, uh, you famously dumped silver all over your hand, and I did. You can't. So use here, it. brief, brief thoughts. Here, just since we're all just telling our feelings today. Yeah, we're just telling our the way. So I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fine. Um, I'm, I think I'm kind of somewhere in between you guys. I'm not a hater, though. I don't want to get know, branded as well, the yeah, Johnny you, T you really, hater. You really think this is an awful book? It's fine, Nathan. You, people can have their opinions, and I'm sorry you just really hate Joy. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not all a picnic for me hating Joy. Yeah. So what I enjoyed about the book, I did. I enjoyed the complexity of it, how it showed the how for, like I think it was you. You were saying that it showed that not everything was nice and um pristine and, at that time yeah. that it showed sort of the i don't want to say gritty i just don't want to say gritty it yeah, showed the it's a word worth avoiding but it is a word that yeah. accurately describes what you so saying. i enjoyed that the story was good it was engaging her writing style was fine i liked it i do think that there were some things about it that were probably over a 10 11 year old chi- uh, child's head i would be curious to give it to my son see what he thinks he's right at that age where he's coming of age mm-hmm. about to turn 13 so it might be the perfect time to give it to him but i i just kept thinking and this is going to be unfair, but going back to what Jake was saying, I, I had... Um, Are you about to compare it to Tolstoy? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm not at all. Okay. I'm actually about to say, yes, we just read Tolstoy. We just read Austin. 
And I agree. I, I was kind of ready for some adventure mm -hmm. and I was getting it somewhere else. And I was much more eager to get into that story instead mm. of this one. Would that be Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I'm having a lot of fun with the Fellowship of the Ring. Me and too. I just, what a great I was just beginning kind of mad that I had to Plot go through. and go and spend time with Paul Revere when I could just be <laughs> off of Frodo and the uh, Arrow Whites. Well, I'm ahead of you because I've been reading it to my kids and we're yeah. in Return of the King now. So I, I've yeah. been living with Tolkien, Tolkien as my Tolkien. 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 I love Tolkien. <laughs> <laughs> the Russian fantasist. Yeah. <laughs> you can my... imagine if Tolstoy wrote The Lord of the Rings. Oh, man. <laughs> It'd be so boring. <laughs> Back in the Shire, 500 pages happened. <laughs> he would never get out of the Shire. No, he'd never get out of the Shire. <laughs> uh, here's 900 pages on somebody's birthday. Yeah. Anyway. Well, the whole point would be it doesn't really matter what happened with Sauron and whatever else. The Shire yeah. life. Yep. Went on as it always did. Yeah. That would be, will. that'd be one way of writing that book. Oh, brother. What were you saying though, Jake? Something about Tolkoy. I was only saying that I've been. Oh yeah. You've been, you've read. I said what I had to say. You, had, you said what you had to say. So yeah. So that's where I, that, that was, since we're all just kind of providing the headspace we were in at the time, that's where I was. Well, and I think so, it's, it's accurate for us to all to just talk about our feelings because the fact is, I think we all agree this book was fine. It did what it was yeah. supposed to. It was good. Even I'll go so, I so guess, far. I guess so, if people are picking up on a lack of like eager involvement for me, that's why. Because mm -hmm. I was, I liked the book. I thought it was fine. But the whole time I was in it, I was like, I really kind of just want to get through this. Right. It's got, it's fine. It's great. I, I, and I like it, but there's something else that I'd rather be reading at this point. Yeah. I don't see myself reading this if the bookening doesn't make me read it. I guess. Yeah. I don't think I would have. Well, and I'm no, not upset that the bookening. I wouldn't have either. And then I'm not irritated that the book ending made me read it. I think that people should read it. I think it's a great book for you to add to your curriculum, for your your students to read, for your kids to read at home. I think it'd be a fun one to read together as a family if you're looking for something to read. But I was just, I was wanting to get back into Tolkien. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, well, Is there anything else we want to say about Johnny Germain? Anything that stood out to us? Um, I don't think so. There's not really a whole lot to say about it beyond No. It does a good job of coloring in your perceptions of the revolutionary war of giving yes. you some some of the yeah. grit for lack of a better word were, of the i time. think if i were from massachusetts or especially boston i don't know maybe bostonian kids are like yeah yeah we know all this that we grew up we took the tours we don't need to read the book about it i know mm -hmm. johnny he's my best friend yeah but that's your boston. i went to school with him, you know yeah. <laughs> dump some tea in the harbor <laughs> Yeah, John, we go way back. These two two Bostonians just walked into the studio. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. I'll burn your hands. You look at me crossways. So not Boston. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's amazing Boston. You talking to me? Yeah, you oh, talking. You talking to me? Hey. Hey. hey, George Washington over here. <laughs> Crossing the Delaware. <laughs> ah, man. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Shall we do donor shout outs? Is there anything anyone else wants to say about Johnny Tremaine? I, I want to give people their Johnny Tremaine's worth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> am I proud of that one? Yes, I am. Uh, very much. No, I, I, the only thing I'd say is I really think people should give it a shot. If you, if you have a bad taste in your brain mm -hmm. associated with this book, get over it. Go read it. Yeah. Well, that is absolutely. If there's one thing we can all agree on, it's that this book is not the terrible book book that we all remember from our childhood this is not a, at all this is a good book and it's worth reading how many muskets? 23 out of a thousand wow <laughs> it's kind of a hater 
Jake, how many muskets but out hey, of a thousand? War and Peace only gets thirty-one out of a thousand. Muskets so. out of a thousand? Yeah. I don't know. Six hundred and thirty-three is what I'm giving it. I'm gonna give it eight fifty. Eight fifty. Wow. I, if we're comparing it to other Newberry Award-winning sort of things you have to read in school, oh, it's one of the better ones of those, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm saying it, it. It's a cut above most of what what's out there. Most of what I've read, at least. Is there anything else I really liked about this book? I'm trying to think if there's anything specifically like from the book that just stood out to me. Really, the things that I took away from it were, oh, the revolutionary guys were jerks, too. Like, they were just beating up people and being subversive. Like, they were the terrorists of their time. Yeah, you've got that whole scene where... uh, You're liberal. You get the whole scene where they're vandalizing some... Tory's property and so he runs out to defend his property and you don't even know what happened you don't know what happened but you know that johnny is scared to go out because you know they hear the guy you hear the guy screaming and esther forbes didn't pull her punches no it's good i like people are getting run out of town on rails and tarred and feathered and okay here's something that's maybe worth talking about for three minutes do you guys like his friend this guy this rab or whatever i didn't really know what esther forbes was trying to do i felt like if she'd been a man she could have written that character properly or something like that. rabs is sort of like i I mean he's a trope right he's that he's that which trope is he though he's the well he's kind of the feminine trope actually he's the angelic creature that uh is otherly and stands above he's like the jane fairfax of this book or, or the helen uh, yeah, the, yeah. He's like the Helen, yeah, yeah, who's you know is gonna die because he's just sort of this like otherworldly big brother kind of. Yeah, it's interesting when Dickens does it, you get guys who are a little bit more complicated, like the Artful Dodger or. Yeah, I was gonna say, so, so there's the Artful Dodger, you know, who actually came to my mind, the the mouse that takes Fievel under his wing in American. Yeah. Oh, sure. Hey, hey he he's kind of that. He's kind of an Artful yeah. Dodger, yeah. Yeah, it's that, but is that more like that artful dodger type? But they're yeah. the those kids tend to be just have a little bit more of a sly streak. Well, that's what them, I expected right? when Rab showed up. I was like, okay, here's like the street smart sly guy right. that's going to teach Johnny the ropes, and then maybe he'll die or something. But then he ends up being this kind of otherly, yeah, more spiritual kind of a character. And I didn't quite know what to Doomed make of to that. Die. Yeah, and I mean, he's got. It's not like he's not got his rough around the edges parts, like. He's, no, he does, but they're all like he's gonna see Scylla on the sly and keep it from Johnny and but he's like You know, it's a little bit like what I feel and maybe women feel this way reading all the books written by men, but it's a little bit like what I feel when I read Rawling. Ninety five percent she gets ninety five percent of the way there, but she doesn't quite understand what Ron and Harry's relationship would actually be like. Yeah. And how they would think about each other and what their fights especially would be like. They're a little bit girly. They're just a little bit girly. And it's not bad. It's like she's she's observed boys pretty accurately, but then she hasn't been able to make that final 5% leap to really get into a boy's head. And this kind of felt the same to me. Like Rab and Johnny made sense symbolically, made sense structurally, didn't quite make sense on the ground. Realistically. Realistically. Yeah. Well, not everybody can be a Tolstoy. <laughs> No, not everybody. I did it. He compared it to Tolstoy. Uh, Not everybody can be a Tolstoy. He just gets into everybody's heads. The horse, the women. The dogs. The dogs. Wow. I need to add something to that sentence. And the men. That was a really bad sentence if we were going to leave it at the horse, the women, the dogs. (laughs) 
That would have been. He I should have just let Brandon end the sentence and see if he got stuck with that. Dogs? Yeah. You should have, but you didn't. Uh, but I, I wanted to clean that one up, folks. Brandon may believe that women belong with horses and dogs in the category of creatures. Oh, I get it. Now. I, I think women are I wonderful. get it now. I get the problem. <laughs> I wasn't quite Brandon didn't even see Yeah, Brandon didn't even see a yeah. problem. He's just like, yeah, of course. Women, dogs, and men. I mean, women, dogs, and horses. Women, man. dogs, yeah. and horses. The three, gonna the do, three categories know? of animals. What you going to do about them? You the, know? the three pack animals. Yeah, come, come home sometime. I'm like, yeah. No, I like women. I think they're great. And I'm dogs and horses. Right. But I think dogs and horses, not as important as women. Now, I keep my wife in a stable too. What you going to do about it, you know? Do you keep your wife in a stable? Yeah. Give her an apple every now and then, I hope. Some sugar. Bag of oats if she's good. A bag of oats? Okay. Well, to each his own. All right. <laughs> On that wonderful note, let's let's shout out our patrons. Now, in order to become a patron, in order to become a patron, you go to patreon.com forward slash the booking. You sign up to support us at at least the $10 level. At Many least. other levels you can choose from. But the $10 level will get you a donor shout out like the type that we are about to engage in maybe mm. our most popular uh level outside uh, it. outside of getting yourself a book signed yeah there's two kind of competing popular levels and one's the 50 dollar level yeah the 50 dollar level gets you a shout out but it also gets you a signed copy of a book every month but right we're getting way too many of those to sign guys stop signing up no, at that level it's a good problem it's way too many. I'm tired of finding creative things to say to you. Guys. Hashtag give Brandon carpal tunnels. That's the goal. Now, should we shout him out? Did, was uh, the $10 level, was there anything else we needed to say about no, that? No, we need to shout out uh, Emily. Yes. And Emily, your name is E-M-I-L-Y because you're awesome and an artist and we love you, love your art. Great. That's her name. Perfect. Uh, okay. Are you guys going to shout her out or what? Emily! Because you're an artist and we love you and your art. Was that close? That was basically it. Great. Emily, this is your, this is your one free shout out. Yeah, you want more shout outs? You got to pony up. Nothing's free, darling. Well, yeah, no, nothing's free. Some things are free. Air. Freedom's not free. Air is that free. Much. Uh, I'm just going to go through this list pretty quick, but- You guys say patriotic things in the background. How about that? Robert and Rhonda the Lovebird. Yankee Doodle went to town. The Artful Anthony Dodger. Riding on a pony. Yeah. Little Anthony Cigar Store. Stuck a feather in his cap. Riding that cap. The immortal Chelsea E. Called it macaroni. Jimmy Beam and little Annie Oakley. Yankee Doodle. Lily of the Valley. Keep it up. Andrew and Esther (laughs) the Lovebirds. Yankee Doodle Dandy. The Keith Master. Mind the music. Something about the maidens. And Keep the maidens hand in. Mind, mind the music. Okay, the Keith Master and the Step. The David David's Mighty Men Trucking and with the girls. The John and Jill and Little Baby Max. Be handy. Yeah. <laughs> Jay and Katie who are cold and love cheese and also see us lose, including till we have faces. Father and I went down. Fairy Princess of Wonder and Happiness, Mother Beth to camp to Georgia. Council Prime Prime Adam along with Captain. He was looking for a soul. Jack, the dark-hooded lord of death. Gooding. To steal. Nathan, not me. There were all... He was in a bind. Maya! Maya! Ryan, the Red Avenger, and Judith of the Ladies of Justice. The men and boys. He. Danny, the dude. As thick as... DJ Sammy G. Hasty pudding. Way. Benny and Danny Tiberius. Yankee Doodle, keep it up. Behind. 
Eric and Catherine from Yon Window Breaks. Yankee Doodle Dandy. Professor and Lady X. Mind the music and the step. Lavender's green, Dylan Dylan. Lavender's blue. Lavender's green, Dylan Dylan. I love you too. And with the girls be handy. Noah Constructor. Two. Margie. There was. Make. The Fair and Fragment. Captain Washington. Six pecks sick with a mean attack and Catherine with a neck for laying down the spec. Upon a strapping stallion. Anthony was cold and hates life, liberty, and the pursuit of cheese. Way down. Giving orders to his men. Jiu-Jitsu Jeffrey, the Texas Ranger. I guess there were a million. Rachel. Leopard Tank Thomas. Yankee Doodle, keep it up. Midnight Ninja Ellen. Yankee Doodle Dandy. Green Congetta. Return of the Jedediah. (laughs) And with the girls be handy. Jay of Rack and Ruin. Yankee America Doodle is a beautiful. Tune. Timothy, the writer at dawn. That comes tis in mighty handy. My country, tis of thee. <laughs> Eric and Kate, the camp champ kings, who are warm and love bees. Oh, say. The enemy all runs away at. Thank you, Eric and Kate. We love you. Maddie, 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 Matt, man. Can you Yankee see? Doodle dandy. Sweet Jamie Sunshine. By Yankee the Doodle, dawns. keep it up. Tyler, the keeper of eternal darkness, Very and Laura, the keeper light. of eternal light. Yankee Doodle dandy. Cold Steel Cody. What so proudly. Mind the music and the step. And Jake, normally you'd have to end in an extremely unsatisfying manner without giving the last lyric, but we've got a new patron. What? Yay! Who is it? Hashtag timing. Hashtag timing. Guys, let's welcome. Jake knew this all along. The lovely Jacqueline. Jacqueline. To the patron family. Welcome, Jacqueline. Hi, Jacqueline. Hi, like, hi Jacqueline. 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 I will be calling you... The Librarian Barbarian. Nice. I like that. Jacqueline the Librarian Barbarian. And with the girls be handy. You do that, Jacqueline. You are a girl, so you just be handy like you normally would, I guess. Good advice. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Brandon. Booking today, written and produced by me. I take all the credit today. I did it all. Jake and Brandon were my puppets. They were reading from teleprompters. Uh, I mean, they would have been if they couldn't, if they, if they could read. Actually, I had to feed them the lines and then cut out the part where they just repeated what I said. He fed us lions. I fed them the lions. Hey guys, thanks for listening. We'll be back. Oh boy, he was dreaming of we'll, the lions. We'll be back next week with some Lord of the Rings. Oh, sad last night. Who was dreaming of the lions again? Who was it, Nathan? Who was dreaming of the lions? Come on, come on, pop it's quiz. The old man. The old man. Oh, the old man. Of course. Last line of that book. He was dreaming of the lions. Yep, I remember that. <laughs>